Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future. Today, we're talking about pivot, disrupt, transform, how leaders beat the odds and survive. I am your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and the CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help elevate the quality of leadership across the world and work with those leaders to co-create a thriving future. Our work includes assisting leaders in identifying disruptive trends and developing strategies to transform themselves and their organizations to thrive now and in the future. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I am delighted that our show guest today is Marsha Dashko. Marsha helps leaders challenge their thinking and realize results they've never been able to achieve. Besides being a popular keynote speaker, for more than 25 years, she has passionately been consulting and guiding executive teams in Fortune 500 and private corporations, education, the U.S. military, and nonprofits. Mentored by world-famous Dr. W. Edwards Deming, she also co-founded two nonprofits, has been nominated for the International Deming Prize, writes a weekly QA leadership column for the Silicon Valley Business Journal, and teaches MBA classes. Marsha joins the show today to share three pieces of advice for leaders. One, stop using management fads and best practices. These cause internal competition and dysfunctional work environments full of blame and finger pointing. Two, start thinking differently by learning about systems and statistical thinking. If leaders want better outcomes, they need to create new systems that will deliver those outcomes, and that enables them to make better decisions. And three, transform. Change what you do and how you lead to transform your organization and create amazing customer experiences. So, Marsha, thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to tell our listeners anything more about yourself before we jump into the questions? Thank you very much, Maureen, for having me. And I think that you really covered comprehensively um, that introduction. So thank you for the warm, warm introduction. And I just want to say to the listeners, I hope everyone is safe out there and using the power of their pivot in their lives to do the best that they can, they can do during these times. Thank you. So our first segment of three, we're going to talk about leadership observations. So what do you observe or what have you observed about leadership in your 25 years of consulting? And I want to add to that, given that we are in such a massive change point, what are you seeing that is most uh, prominent right now that may not have been relevant before. And I realize we're all in the COVID environment. So that's the obvious, but I'm assuming some of the underlying themes really emerge for you. 
Definitely. Um, I think that through the many, many crises that we've experienced and observed in the world over past decades and every, every generation has, you know, their crisis situations. Um, we have also just as many opportunities to transform. And it's, it's goes back to how do people think during these times? How do they, what do they believe and what kind of mindset do they adopt? So um, people when faced with challenges, whether it's a, a competitor in business or if it's a pandemic, like we, we all, you know, share today and many industries are getting just battered and others are, um, embracing opportunities to meet needs of people that they see. When we look at that, you know, whole perspective, we really just need to focus on what are we going to accomplish and contribute. And it, it all comes from the perspective of how do we think about this? So that was kind of a long rambling um, explanation. But in short, it's all about how we think. So if we need to make a fundamental, often abrupt and rapid change in direction, that is a pivot. And whether we're... Uh, pre-pandemic, in the pandemic times, or post-pandemic, we need to think about how do we pivot our own thinking and how do we pivot our organizations in order to uh, move forward, make a difference, make progress, survive. Sometimes it's a survival issue. And through a pandemic or through any crisis, through life, not all organizations are going to succeed because sometimes people get stuck in their thinking and then they don't move. Um, they just want, want the status quo. So. so you said something that's, that's interesting to me. Often we talk about pivot being a change in action. You're talking about pivoting in our thinking, which I assume then leads to new action. But can you say more about how one would pivot their thinking and how foundational that is to really making the changes that are required for all of us right now. Yes. If the, the thinking for a pivot comes first, because otherwise people do just react. They, they don't have time to think. It's like when Captain Sully put the, his airplane down in the Hudson river, it was because he could go almost into automatic, you know, uh, thinking because of his training, but he had trained and trained and trained for situations like that. So he was doing such rapid thinking, such rapid pivoting in order to make the right decisions for the time, but he was prepared. And so when, uh, surprises come up, when challenges come up, when a pandemic, you know, uh, takes over the world, um, there, if there's not much preparation, there's not um, 
there's so much reactionary behavior and some people then in their thinking they get stuck and they go into the victim mode woe is me what can somebody else do for me help 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 me and people who are either more prepared or and that that can be two two different ways maybe they have had some scenario planning where they have thought about what would happen, what would we do if we had a pandemic? Now, I would guess, I don't know these numbers, I don't haven't seen any data on this, but I would guess that, that not a lot of leaders and um, organizations had a pandemic plan. But because this did come up so fast, and uh, industries and organizations had to pivot, they, they ended up in some sort of thinking. And so I would say that great leaders thought about, okay, what is the need? We need to do a quick assessment about what is needed and who needs what. Then we need to do a sense and respond. And then we have to gather together a rapid action team, get them focused and, and implement our plan. That can happen, you know, within an hour if it needs to. Um, some, some organizations, um, some crisis situations have made um, leaders have to pivot and make those decisions in five or 10 minutes. Um, and other times you've got a few hours, maybe a few days, maybe like with the pandemic, every day leaders were learning new and new, newer and new, new um, information about this pandemic. So things changed rapidly every day, every day, every day. And so, yes, it's it all begins with the thinking and people either get some people get stuck and some people you know grab the um you know they embrace it and they say what do we need to do how do we need to do it and they sense and respond they um the military is excellent at this um they're they're used to it they're trained for it but for leaders and organizations, they have to pull together their most innovative, creative people. I strongly believe that the people who are most creative during a crisis and during this pandemic will be the most successful. They will be able to pivot. They'll be able to revive. They'll be able, maybe they change their organizations. Maybe they change who their customers are, they change who their market is, they create a totally new industry. It will be very interesting, um, uh, I think very phenomenal to see the positive things that come out of this pandemic. So it sounds like in the pivoting, having done... I'm thinking of, of as kids, we did bomb drills. Right. If a bomb's dropped, you go hide under your desk. If I'm a golfer, I practice. I practice at the practice range, driving range. Uh, as a meditator, I'm I practice on a regular basis. I meditate regularly. 
as a business leader, it sounds like to be prepared specifically for pivoting, the practice is looking at scenarios, creating response plans, and being prepared. Even if we weren't prepared specifically for a pandemic, we're prepared for disruption. And we have a, a sense of what a playbook looks like. Is that what you're pointing to? That is one tool that people can use. Um, I think the only concern I have about scenario planning is that it's too artificial. It is better for people to have a mindset um, of rapid improvement, rapid innovation, and prototyping. So if they have... The people who are most prepared right now, I think, are the people who have invested in developing the natural leadership of all of their workforce on an ongoing basis. Those are the people I've seen in my own clients. They, um, when as they started to go through um, the shutdown and to prepare their staff for working remote and so forth. That's when they said back to me, Marsha, what you've taught us over the past couple of years is everything that we're implementing right now. I think that's the foundation. They have learned a mindset, a philosophy of management. They have learned specific tools like, for example, uh, the PDSA, Plan, Do, Study, Act model that was uh, developed um, by Dr. Walter Schuhart decades ago at AT&T Bell Labs and implemented and taught by Dr. W. Edwards Deming for decades after that. And that's a foundational, um, I want to say, a mindset tool that great leaders can use. And the faster they use it, it's a learning tool. Okay. So the faster the faster they are able to plan, implement the plan, study what works, what doesn't work, standardize what works, and do it again. So PDSA repetitively, the faster they do that, um, the more they learn, the better decision-making they um, have, and they everybody's on the same page because so they're sharing that information. So what's interesting to me is we talk a lot about agile and the mind of a scientist and formulating a hypothesis, crafting an experiment, and then running the experiment and learning and, and changing. This, the PDSA, I've heard of PDCA, I've heard the OODA loop, these all similar tools really build this the capacity for leaders to respond quickly, pivot, be agile. I think the terminology is different, but pointing to a similar construct of having a practice in place that allows us to respond quickly and effectively, not just do stuff, but do it in a kind of scientific method almost kind of way. Absolutely. Dr. Deming changed the PDCA to PDSA because he said, we don't we're not checking things. We're studying things. That's how ah. we're learning. Okay. So I studied this too long ago. I did not know the update. 
I've just dated myself significantly. Oh, people, that's uh, quite okay. <laughs> people, we still, you know, read papers and so forth that mm. refer to PDCA. So we, we've got about a minute till break. Let me just summarize a little bit of what you said. So one is un- having a practice, whether it's PDSA, OODA loop, uh, agile thinking, building those muscles, just like working out and building my legs for bike riding. I need to have those muscles strong so that when something happens, this is my default behavior. And that idea that when something goes wrong, it's the mindset that I have built the habits that allow me to respond quickly that's fundamental. And you talked about that happens when people are engaging in ongoing leader development where where they have those muscles, whether they're working with you or through other methods, that it's the ongoing practice that really ensures that they're going to be ready to respond. Yes, definitely. It's PDSA is it's almost like a tool, but it's a mental tool. It's the way that people have shifted their thinking. So that's just one of the many that they need as, a, as their foundation. That's why it takes, it, it, it's not a you know, learning how to be a leader and think like a leader and think and feel and and act and guide and uh, mentor. Well, I don't really like that word mentor, but um, that's how they do, how they need to do all of it. They need the foundation first, the transformational philosophy of management. So they understand that change, mere change does nothing, but transformational change gives us forward progress. Perfect. So as we go on break, you are listening to Marsha Dashko and Maureen Metcalf. We're talking about pivot, disrupt, and transform, how leaders beat the odds and survive. I encourage you as our listeners to think about a time you pivoted recently and what skills or tools or thinking mechanisms did you use that allowed you to be successful? Marsha and I will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. Today, we are talking to Marsha Dashko, and the conversation is about pivot, disrupt, and transform, how leaders beat the odds and survive. So, Marsha, in our last segment, you talked about your observations. One thing that I'm really curious about, how does why do some leaders and businesses survive and beat the odds and others don't, and specifically during this more disruptive time, and even post-COVID, we're still going to see, I believe, accelerations and fallout from the pandemic as organizations are, uh, some of them implementing a lot of AI and machine learning to replace workers that would have been exposed to the virus, as an example. So in those businesses competing with others that are making a decision around uh, favoring and taking care of their employees. Uh, tell us where you're seeing survival and why. Okay, survival that I've, um, I've been researching this for the past month or two to see what organizations, what leaders, what um, industries are pivoting and which ones are suffering, declining, struggling, and failing. Mm-hmm. And one thing that happens, we talked about mindset. Part of it comes from the vocabulary. So we could uh, talk to um, an, an executive team, and within an hour, we could assess if they are struggling, declining, and heading to failure or if they are heading towards success and innovation. For example, if, if leaders and in their organization use a vocabulary where they are talking about failures, cutting costs, layoffs, uh, problems, um, chaos, fear, losses, That's just the way we've always done it. Let's wait and see. Uh, And they blame, judge, and criticize. That is one mindset. I always say, that's company A. And then another mindset would be people who think about the future and solutions and what can we do together and possibilities, opportunities, joy and work, serving customers and new markets. Um, creating innovation, brainstorming questions, not just answers, having a focus, 
prioritize, learn together, be provocative, question the beliefs and assumptions and practices, these quote-unquote best practices and management fads that so many companies have. So that I say is, okay, that's company B. Would you prefer to work for company A that talks about failures and losses and layoffs and uh, fear, or do you want to work for company B who's focused on future, the solutions, possibilities, and opportunities in serving customers? So, so it seems like to me that is describing proactive versus reactive in a sense. Um, I think it's deeper than that. Okay. I think it's deeper than that. Um, it's so the explain. vocabulary. The vocabulary is a reflection of the thinking. And so that's why it's easy to assess what, what direction an organization is going based on the leadership thinking. So say more about the thinking, because to me, proactive is I am forward, take control of my situation. I realize I don't control a pandemic, but I control my response. I set my path forward and I am in action in a positive or constructive way. Reactive is I am less likely to take charge of the situation. I wait a little longer and I am more in responsive mode rather than setting the pace mode. So it it sounds like you're talking about something more in depth. Can you explain what that is? So I guess when I think what it is, it's a deeper thinking based on leadership understanding what their job is, and that is to optimize the whole system. So I think the strongest traits of a leader are their openness to to learning and courage. And so when they take, they have those traits and they don't know all the answers, they're constantly thinking that doing that sense and respond where they say, okay, what is our compelling purpose and what are all of the methods and strategies that need to work together as a system in order to get the results that we want? So that is far beyond just being proactive or, um, or some other people being reactive or even responsive, which is a little bit more thoughtful. Um, It's, the deepness of the thinking and the vocabulary comes from uh, what Dr. Deming called a system of profound knowledge, which is a combination of systems thinking, statistical thinking, um, theory of psychology, and theory of knowledge. That encapsulates it. So, so you said systems thinking. Statistical um, thinking. Theory of knowledge. Theory which, of knowledge. Yeah, that's that's basically the the tool of of uh, using the PDSA and understanding that management is prediction. And okay, then and theory then, of psych. Go ahead. Theory of psychology. How do people learn? 
How do people think that there's variation in everything in life, especially variation in people? Some people learn quickly, others more slowly. Um, people are introverted, extroverted, all so many different kinds of things about psychology. And this that was one area that Dr. Deming felt that he did not understand well. And he spent the last several years of his life in deep study about the psychology of people. Okay, so let's back up for a second. For listeners who don't happen to know who Dr. Deming is, I think it is worth understanding who he is and what his contribution is because it is so profound. And the work he did was has been the foundation for much of our modern leadership philosophy. So can you give our listeners just a couple of minutes of who is W. Edwards Deming and why do we care? Of course. Yes. Um, I was fortunate. Dr. Deming was my mentor, one of my mentors, and he was invited by um, General MacArthur after World War II to go to Japan and help them come out of his their crisis. So what happened, and Dr. Deming wrote a book called Out of the Crisis. What happened was Dr. Deming helped Japan transform and become a global competitor. And that that is when they started taking over so many of the industries, including our auto industry. And then in the 1980s, Dr. Deming came back to the U.S. He he lived in Washington, D.C. He came back to the U.S. He worked with the CEOs of Ford and General Motors to help save our auto industry. So that is what he is primarily known for. And then I, I met him in when he was in his 80s, in the 1980s, when he was giving four-day seminars every week, either to the public, um, and I attended 20 of those four-day seminars, or or he gave them also in um, at least once a month at Ford and General Motors. And so that's who he is. So what... What is he best known for? We've talked about PDSA. You've talked about a very comprehensive methodology. And I think that that is what stood out for me. I actually, I did not uh, study with him, but I studied his work and taught it at one of the large consulting firms in the late 80s. And, and what stood out for me is a very systemic approach that was based on um, well-researched tools for decision-making, statistical process control, understanding a situation, managing it into a control zone, so well-controlled, uh, and ensuring efficient productivity. And I'm sure my understanding of it is is not understanding and recollection from 30 years ago is not <laughs> that comprehensive. So again, for what... What stands out to you, and the reason I'm asking is, as listeners who are probably in some cases trying to regain footing and think about, I was successful, things are feeling wonky right now, I too am having to pivot, what do I pull out of 30-year-old research that is more relevant today than it was 30 years ago? Dr. Deming gave us a theoretical foundation of leadership. Okay. So he gave us the philosophical um, foundation 
And while people can put a lot of things on top of that, it's like building the house. We need a strong foundation before we can pick out, you know, what color the curtains are and the hardwood floors and, you know, the, the furniture. And so we can put in tools, we can put in, and people can use sub, some tools well. They can even use a PDSA, you know, well. But if they don't understand, you know, the foundation that he taught, then it's very, they can do, um, they can continually improve, but that's not good enough. They can, um, they can make decisions based on some information, but is it information over time in context? That's what he, he gave us a comprehensive management philosophy. And people um, sometimes want to um, pick, they, they want to do, they want to pick um, parts of it or parts of you know, some tools and use those and think that they're going to be able to improve their organizations or transform or it's not going to happen. And it's not going to happen because they don't have a foundation. They're just like, uh, what is it? Lean Six Sigma or um, the quote unquote best practices or um even lean, it's there. Those are all pieces. It they're not good enough in as as pieces. It's kind of like saying we have a car um, and we take the best pieces, best parts of various kinds of cars. So we take the best motor from the BMW and we take the best something from the Porsche and the best something from the Tesla. And we put it those best parts together and we think we have a new innovative car. We don't. So we need to understand the foundation first and then we can choose what tools might be appropriate to help in certain situations. So you're not saying best practices don't work. You're saying I need the proper foundation. Then I look at best practices and contextualize them for my organization. So I can't go to Google and say they've got a meditation room. Therefore, I'm going to drop a meditation room in my manufacturing organization that thinks that people that meditate are weird. And I'm not saying all manufacturing organizations think that, but conceptually, I can't take a piece out of a one culture and drop it into another culture where it will be perceived as silly. I don't recommend chasing best practices. Um, best practices were a practice for perhaps an organization at one point in time and for certain purposes. I, I think it's, it's fine to look around and see, let's say, if you want to put a meditation room in your organization, look around and see what others have done, but then come back to your organization and use something I've developed called the strategic compass and take it through that process. What is it that you're trying to accomplish? By what method will you accomplish? What what do you stand for? What are you, you know what behaviors and do you want to see happen out of that? 
Who are you trying to serve? And how will you measure your progress? That is much more going through the strategic compass and asking your organization, your team, uh, pertinent questions is far more valuable than even wasting too much time looking around to see what some other organization did at some other point in time for a different uh, customer base or or employee base. Okay. Um, it, It makes sense that I would, for me, it makes sense to look at what others are doing and also look at what makes sense for me. So I think we just come at it differently, which is fine. I I absolutely agree that I don't just uh, look at what other people are doing and pick it up haphazardly without aligning with my values or our our organizational values and goals and measures. So maybe we're saying the same thing. Yeah, just remember that looking at best practices um, is looking at the past, and if you say, we, we would like to do such and such in our organization or for our customers or for our employees, start with a fresh sheet of paper. How creative and innovative can you be going forward, not looking to the past? I'm, I'm a really more forward thinking. That's why the, this new phrase that's popped up with a pandemic about a new normal, we're going to go to a new normal. Well, we're not going to go to a new normal. There's <laughs> where some people are hoping we go back to the way it's been. It's never going to be the way it's been. Great. Thank you. So we're going to go on break now. You are with Marsha Dashko and Maureen Metcalf. We're talking about pivot, disrupt, and transform. And what stood out for me in that segment is the idea that we don't go back. We proactively create what is new and most appropriate for us. So I invite our listeners during the break to think about what is required or would be valuable for you to recast looking at what problems are you trying to solve that you can creatively design a new solution to. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Your Future. You're with Maureen Metcalf and Marsha Dashko. We're talking about pivot, disrupt, and transform how leaders beat the odds and survive. So, Marsha, in the last segment, I want to focus on the practical tools that leaders can take away and use. So, let's talk about what are the strategies leaders need to use that they may not be using right now. Strategies. Um, I think they really need a pivot mentality. So we've talked about, you know, the mindset, the vocabulary, some of even the the tools, the foundational philosophy that they need. And so I think that most importantly, um, people, leaders need to study. And so if they're not familiar with the things that we've been talking about, that is the first thing that I would suggest is that they study um, like Dr. Deming's philosophy or read a few um, foundational books. And, and if they go to my website, um, that there is a bibliography there. There are a lot of resources, white papers about transformation and innovation and so forth. They can even uh, get a lot of help right there. Um, but that mentality is to always be thinking about what is the need that needs a solution. So when it came to the pandemic and how leaders and organizations were able to pivot, it was because they identified a need for a quick solution. So they had to um, abruptly do that pivot and it and it began with the thinking. And then they saw that there were, you know, new possibilities, new opportunities, and they had to embrace those. They had to then strategically um, put a rapid plan in place and a rapid team in place to do things that they maybe had never done before. There are examples like, General Motors and Ford started making ventilators. Um, uh, uh, beer distilleries started um, making the hand sanitizers. Um, uh, there was a, a, a few companies that came together in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Innovation Strategies, and they took toaster ovens. They took 50 toaster ovens, pivoted them into being mask sterilizers and donated those 50 to hospitals in need that didn't have enough masks. 
so that they could sterilize 150 per hour. Those are rapid pivots, examples of rapid pivots where they people saw a need and they and they quickly like never before responded to those needs. Beautiful examples, thank you. So what so you've talked about pivoting mindset. Uh, let's now talk about, are there specific tools? I heard reading, uh, reading some of Deming's foundational philosophies, reading some other white papers. Are there other tools that someone might use to make the pivot in their own organization? And when we were talking about best practices, you talked about something, and I apologize for not capturing it, that instead of doing a best practice, you use a different tool that you created, and I don't remember the name of it. Oh, the strategic compass. Right, yes. So the strategic compass, um, that is um, ex- further explained that there's there are five foundational questions, and they are a system, and so they are interrelated, and, a, and I called it the strategic compass because the more you learn Together, by answering those questions, there, the, the team is like uh, uh, pioneers going across the nation for the first time. They're using like a compass to scout and scan the environment, what's up ahead. And based on what we see, we can't see, you know, over the mountain peaks, but we see that there's you know, a valley and then there are mountain peaks. And based on that scan, we have to plan, what are we going to do? What are our methods going to be to get, you know, are we going to go find a pass to go through that mountain range or over those mountain peaks? And so the strategic compass is a foundational leadership tool that I use with all my leadership teams. And so when they tell me, you know, like one business owner did, Marsha, I want to take my company from 30 to 35 or 40 million and I have all these problems. Can you help? And I say, I don't know. I have to take a look. And then I take a look and we went from, we created a management team. He didn't have one. And we, we took their, that organization from 30 million to 300 million using a philosophy of leadership and the strategic compass. So can you say more about the philosophy of leadership? Is that what you were talking about with Deming, the foundational philosophy, or are you talking about a specific philosophy for that client? There are thousands. Uh, it was not specific for that client. Um, I use uh, my, my learning that I got from um, my mentors, Dr. Deming, Dr. Perry Gluckman, Dr. Russell Acoff. Um, these are these are these were all my mentors, people that I studied, I read about or read their philosophy. I attended their their workshops. Now, unfortunately, all my mentors have passed away, but they did. There, you can find some things about them on YouTube or on um, uh, you know some videos or. Uh, 
Dr. Akoff wrote more than 30 books. He was a, a professor at, at Wharton, et cetera. So, um, yeah, once you have the foundational uh, thinking, then what you do, um, it, everything is based in what how you think. And you're constantly – one thing that Dr. Deming taught is that you constantly have to be learning and questioning and because the future is always going to be changing. And if you want to help make that future – bold and different and um, meaningful and make a difference, um, you come from not just thinking that is um, uh, permanent, but is continually evolving. Brilliant. So specifically then each of us needs to have our own leadership philosophy best built on the the preeminent thinkers like Deming, like um goodness my brain brain laps. Yeah, uh, like like Deming and others. Yes, exactly. Now you'll the thing is like when I was so excited about learning about leadership, I went to a bookstore, I picked up, you know, 20 books on leadership and and at the time, TQM, T- Total Quality Improvement, was a hot fad. Um, Phil- Malcolm Baldridge. Uh, yeah. Is another Baldridge, one that yeah, is time proven. Yeah, yeah, Baldridge and, and um, uh, Phil Crosby. A lot of that was hype. A lot of it was sizzle. There was no – you could you could talk about concepts like – um, continual improvement and total quality and uh, whatever the latest tools were, but they didn't, they were not sustainable. Dr. Deming and Dr. Russ Aikoff and so on, their philosophy of management, because it's systems thinking, it's statistical thinking, it's based in theories um, of, of management. Those are the kinds of things that people when they study those things, read about those things and question, that's the most important thing right now. Leaders have to question what they're believing and what they're doing, because if they're, the the point is, if they're not getting the results that they want, then they need to go back to change the system that they created. It is not about, motivating people. It is not about judging and criticizing and blaming the employees. It is about creating an environment where people are self-motivated and giving them a place where everyone can contribute. And then I always tell the leadership team, then once they learn this, get out of the way of your people because they will take you where you've never been before. And that's where exponential growth comes from. So I'm going to synthesize again some of the things we've got only a few minutes left. Um, one, of, one of the things I heard is specifically from Deming is the idea that I have to be constantly scanning the environment, looking forward, and then questioning and learning 
from everyone. So, so systemic thinking being the key, not just learning bits and pieces that are unrelated, but fitting everything I learned back into a foundational system or framework. Does that? Um, that's, that's very good. I wanted to just clarify one thing. When you say learning from everyone, you mean learning from your employees, learning from your vendors, learning from your customers. That is mega important learning. Um, learning when I, what I want to clarify is it's not learning from every hack, management hack, or um, people who have jumped on a bandwagon and are rolling with the latest hot fad. You don't want to learn from them. You want to filter them out. And, and like I mentioned before, I was so excited when I got all these, you know, 20 books to read about leadership. And what I forgot to mention was um, at the time when I was working with Dr. Perry Gleckman, he took my pile of 20 books that I was so proud of and he tossed some of them to the side and said, garbage, garbage, garbage. Oh, this is good. This is good. So he, he could, um, because he had so much knowledge and I was just like his apprentice, uh, I was just learning. Um, he focused me onto what to read and learn about so that I didn't get wrapped up in the management fads. Okay. So Marsha, we've got two minutes left. Give us one minute where people can reach you. Okay. Um, well, they can, an easy place is to go like to Amazon or Barnes and Noble and put in my book title, Pivot, Disrupt, Transform. And then from there. You've also talked about your website. Yes. My website is m-go.com. And the last uh, name, spelling of my name is Dashko, D-A-S-Z is in zebra, K-O. So m-go.com. And there you have reading resources. You've got other tools. Yes. And also LinkedIn? Yes, I'm on LinkedIn. 20,000 contacts on LinkedIn and um, lots of articles, lots of posts. And when people have questions, I really encourage you to reach out to me. I would love to help people, especially during these times. Great. Thank you so much, Marsha. And for our listeners, thank you for joining us. We encourage you to reach out, contact me on LinkedIn, just send a message and let me know you're a listener. Our website is innovativeleadershipinstitute.com. Connect with us on Facebook and please like the podcasts so that others will like and recommend. We hope that you are able to join us again soon for another opportunity to learn about leadership and how to transform your organization. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.